Hey guys, Joshua Miller here. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. It doesn't cost a thing to download. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Podcast, and many, many more. It automatically will send them to those. You can make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. You don't have to click and drag from one to another and have several open and use it's all in one place for you. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks. Have a great day.
Okay, there I am. All right, good morning, everyone. This is uh, January 16th, 2022, and we're in the middle of a snowstorm. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've uh, canceled services, uh, so I'm going to be preaching online here, and I'm uh, hoping you can join us. Uh, we have, Colt and I went outside a little bit earlier, and we've got about five inches of snow here, but one thing we've never had is snow drifts, and one of the snow drifts is about two feet high, so that's pretty interesting for around here. So, as we watch the snowstorm, it's white outside now, and we've had the power flicker, uh, so you might hear a little noise in the background. My wife, lovely wife Jackie over there, is preparing some food in case the power goes out. So, you might hear some banging or clanging, clattering, whatever the word is, but don't, don't mind her working in the background all right so we're gonna get started with prayer requests my aunt pam has started a prayer chain and so we just connected with the prayer chain for my uncle b brian welch uh, he had a stroke uh this week and he is was airlifted from his home to Huntsville, Alabama, and is in the hospital there. They found blood clots in his brain and in his lungs. They were able to uh, clear out most of, 95% of the clots in his um, brain, and so that he's stable now, and he'll, he's been in the hospital for th three days now, I think. And uh, so we need your prayers for him, uh, for the church. He was a sheriff's deputy and also a pastor of the Franklin County uh, Cowboy Church. So remember him and those that are stepping up to fill, um, fill in, step up, help him out. Uh, remember my Aunt Jen and all those there, uh, all the church members and my family, if you would. We would appreciate that. And the Lord is already doing, working miracles with him. He is stable. He's up. He's uh, alert. Um, and he's eating now. So we thank the Lord for that. Um, let's remember the Kathy Smart family uh, unexpectedly passed away. Um, Saturday or uh, Friday, I think, um, last Friday. Uh, so that would be my brother Brandon's mother-in-law. So remember Brandon's wife, Leah, her dad, uh, Kylie, Brandon and Leah's daughter. She's a little bitty thing. She fell, hit her head uh, on the refrigerator and had gassed her head open. And so they had to, they took her to the ER and had her head glued back together. So she's doing good. But pray for her recovery. Uh, remember the Bertha Wilson family? 
Uh, she passed last Saturday. She remember that family and their grieving. Uh, remember Phyllis Thrift. Uh, she's uh, sick with. Seth, they've. She tested positive for COVID, but had a heart attack. So she's in the hospital for a heart attack. <clears throat> remember Robert Kimbrell. Uh, COVID. He's been jabbed and he has COVID. Remember uh, my cousin Justin's, Jeremy's, uh, Jordan's uh, stepdad Drexel. Uh, he's in the hospital. Uh, they put him on a ventilator, but he is stable and seems to be uh, uh, recovering to the point that they're lowering the level of the ventilator. Um, they're, um, so just pray that the doctors in each of these situations would uh, do the right thing. We're in a spiritual warfare and there's a battle going on. Some people understand the battle that we're in, some people don't. Um, I've been attacked because of the things that I say. I can see what's the, the battle that we're in and we're in the heat of the battle. We're at the front lines right now and it's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle for our lives, for our souls. But not many people understand uh, we have um, many things to pray about, many more things. Um, there's a lot of lies going around. I want to mention that. I want to pray that that we, as Christians especially, would, would take the blinders off and quit being deceived by the devil. Uh, this is National Religious Freedom Day. And I'll go ahead and cover this so we can cover, cover this in prayer. National Religious Freedom Day. And let's see if you can read that. Got a receipt with my name on it. Uh, this was sent out by Pastor John MacArthur for Grace, from Grace Community Church. He's a well-known pastor and may not agree with everything. I'm, that's, you know, if you're looking for someone that you agree with everything they say, you're never going to, to get anywhere. So you need to find someone that preaches the word, preaches the gospel, that's a Christian, that's given their heart and life to Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They've repented of their sins and they're being sanctified in their life, they're growing, they're witnessing, they're discipling, they're pleasing God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We don't have to agree on everything, but we need to work together as the body of Christ and quit trying to split hairs. But anyway, so I'm going to go into that more detail, but we've made a stand for National Religious Freedom Day. Uh, the government is attacking Christians, and most people I know don't even see it. But we're being attacked by the government. We're being persecuted as Christians here in the United States of America. Canada is just a step ahead of us. They've arrested pastors, but so has states in the United States. They've arrested pastors. Brother Arthur Pulowski, uh, Pastor James Coates, they're both pastors from Canada. They've been arrested. They've been persecuted and others. 
uh, as well. There's been churches that have been attacked for staying open through the lockdowns last year because of COVID. Once we realized that, hey, this is this has got more to do with this is not about our health, this is not about our safety. There is an ulterior motives behind this. This isn't about COVID. We stood open and kept our churches open. Now at first we closed, we wanted to fill it out. That's the wise thing to do before we understand. But we realized that there was something up. This was a cover up. So we opened the doors of our churches. There was times that the congregation got scared. I said, okay, all right, we'll call it off for this, this day or for this day. But I said, oh, we're not keeping the doors shut. But people got scared. First Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And that's what I tend to uh, lean on and trust is God's word. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. And he tells us to do something. He expects us to do it. And he says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear. So I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to cower down because the government tells me this has happened. And the government tells me I, we should do this. This is for the safety of the masses to close the doors down to prevent them from gathering. You know, God's word says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. We need, he says, so much the more as that day is approaching, meaning the end day. The closer it gets that to the Lord's second coming, the more we should meet in person. There's, I haven't found anywhere in God's word that the excuse for not going to church and meeting in person as the body of Christ was because of a sickness, of a plague, or of a virus. We're supposed to meet, gather, and fellowship together, one-on-one, -on -one, face to face. That is biblical. But we're in a spiritual warfare. I understand that COVID is real, that it is a bioweapon. It's not just a virus that just started spreading. It is a bioweapon. Fauci is in charge of that. He was funding uh, the research of bioweapons, gain-of-function research in a lab in the Wuhan, China. And he was funding it. He knew about it, although it was illegal in the United States to fund that or experiment with any gain-of-function research. What you are doing is you're taking a virus that is not lethal to humans and making it deadly to humans. That is what Fauci is doing. He is going to be tried and held accountable. And I thank the Lord for Rand Paul Ron Johnson and others that are standing up and holding him accountable and putting him in the spotlight. He will be, Lord willing, held accountable for his actions and be, be kicked out of that position and taken out of power, uh, to put it mildly. So I understand that there are National Guards being stationed at hospitals. What's the, the implication for that? Think about it. National Guard at hospitals. And what I, I had thought considered is this. When the American people realize that the government is trying to kill them with a deadly virus and the vaccines because they're deadly and they have killed more people than the COVID has, they're killing, the vaccines are killing uh 
pilots have killed over 100 pilots at least that we know of they've killed 100 pilots or disabled or disabled more and uh, there is up to 400,000 deaths from the COVID jab that once people realize this, that you have been deceived, that you took these jabs in the face of safety, they say that they're claimed to be over 90% safe and effective, which is a lie. They are more deadly than the COVID. And I'm seeing people die from them. I'm seeing people sick from it, disabled from these jabs. COVID has a 99.8 something survival rate. And uh, the, the, the jabs don't compare to that at all. But anyway, once the people realize that, why is there a National Guard being put up at hospitals? Once the people, the public, realizes what the government is doing, just like, you know, the Tuskegee, uh, what, the Trail of Tears, um, what else? Uh, the Holocaust. We're Americans. We're a little bit different breed of people. Which we really, I don't know. I don't know why we've been deceived this long for for that fact. But anyway, once we realize, the public realizes that because we've realized that the they don't have a founding in the Word of God. They don't have Scripture. They're not grounded in the Word of God. But once they realize it, they are going to be so irate at these hospitals realizing that they're putting people on ventilators and giving them remdesivir to kill them once people realize that is their reason why they're doing it is to deliberately kill people there's going to be mass riots they're going to be irate they're going to be trying to storm the hospitals and they need the national guard there to to mitigate that and because it's going to be revealed with them um trying dr fauci and the truth will be known through this hearing, through these trials of Dr. Fauci. And once everybody knows, and once that's on the mainstream with Dr. Fauci, it's it all, all hell's going to break loose because it, it's not going to be a, a good thing that's happening. That's going to happen. But we need to continue to pray, trust God, get on our knees, and trust Him. Pray that doesn't happen. But that's what I see as I'm considering this. Uh, 40... I believe it's 42 states already have deployed National Guard to their certain hospitals. Uh, so we need to pray for that. We need to get on these and pray. This is biblical proportions. And get on these and ask him for repentance. Second Chronicles Chronicle 7.14 If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face And turn from their wicked ways, he says, I will hear from heaven. I will heal their land and I will forgive their sins. We need that tremendously. So <clears throat> that's what we're going to pray for. And then we'll get into the message. If there's anything else, you can uh, send it through the comments or through Messenger. And let me know that way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. I thank you for my family, for my church family. I want to come to you with these requests with uh, my Uncle B and I'm 
heartbroken with what has happened with him, but I thank you that you have your hand on him. You've promised never to leave us or forsake us. We know that he is a faithful servant to you, and he has preached the word, preached the gospel faithfully. He has stood up for his people faithfully, seeing he's gone to, to he's a sheriff's deputy. He's put his life at risk, proving to others that he is a Christian, sacrificing his life for other people. And that's what we're supposed to do. I pray that you would touch him and give him a complete recovery. Be with the Bertha Wilson family and comfort them in their grieving. Be with the Kathy Smart family. Be with uh, uh, Leah, her father, her brothers, um, the whole family there and comfort them in the grieving. And uh, I'm thankful that my mom was able to go out there and help them through that um, the, that initial um, shock there and I'm glad she's back safe uh, from traveling be with Phyllis Thrift and she had a heart attack and be with those that are sick <clears throat> in her family the others that are sick pray that the, the, the whole family won't get sick but comfort them protect them be with uh, Robert Kimbrell and pray that he would recover uh, be with um, Jackie's Aunt Linda also she's been sick um, more lately after taking the jab. Um, be with Drexel. He's been in the hospital. They put him on the ventilator. I pray that they would take him off. pray that he would recover completely. Be with those in the snowstorm and those that may have the power outages. I pray that you would be with them and protect them, keep them safe. pray that we'd be able to know if there's someone in need around us. Help us to be alert and to help those in need. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth. Give those that need clothes on their back and need food in their belly and the Word of God in their heart, their mind, and their soul. Help us to be influential and help us to stand out and separate ourselves from among the world and be a peculiar people so that people can see something different in us, something unusual, something supernatural, something that they want, something they need. Pray that you bless the service. Give me a clear... Uh, thoughts and clear speech to present your word according to your will, Lord. And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if this is National Religious Freedom Day that I've heard. And the government wants to silence us and shut us down. So that's what the message is going to be on. It's going to be on a particular attack on our our, from the government on us as Christians. And so that's it's going to be... A single subject is going to cover a couple different aspects, but the reason is the government has taken this particular area because they know that through this that they can attack the nucleus of the family. The nuclear family, as God has created it, according to his word, the government is actively attacking it. There are lies that we are have to have to, that we're hearing that um, the government is using as propaganda. Uh, number one lie, Biden is president. That's a lie. He's not in there. Uh, they've uh, performed a coup, and apparently it was successful, but it wasn't 100% successful because we got Dr. Fauci on trial, and he will be held accountable for what he's done and what the government has done. Lie number two, the jabs are safe. That's a lie. 
That's another way the government is attacking us. So these are things that we can look at, and if you can do your research, you will find right there in front of you that these are lies that the government is pushing to hide us, um, to, to, to destroy Christians. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lie number three. Um, I just lost track. Had a couple kids run by. Well, I lost that number three I had because I didn't write it down. So, <clears throat> you might have more. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Can't clear my throat. <clears throat> if you know of any other lies the devil is using <clears throat> against God's people, just put it in the message, the comments below, and let, let me know. Uh, now, this, this day, we've been called together... Uh, some, uh, I'm going to go ahead, this, this letter I showed you a minute ago, <clears throat> a stand on biblical sexual morality. So this was called to attention by a pastor in Canada. <clears throat> and he sent an email to uh, Dr. John MacArthur. So he started sharing it with the American pastors. And he's called everyone to stand on this day. On the 16th, that's today, against the tyranny, against the the persecution of the church. And I'm, I'm fixing to read it. Well, this is what has happened. Now, I think, you know, the devil is attacking us. He, he is wanting to, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's you if you're a Christian. That's me. He wants to destroy us. He doesn't want us to do anything for the Lord. So he throws out a distractions he throws out temptations to make us useless and we have a choice to either fall for them or not and stand fast in god's word and please the lord either one but this storm could be from the devil trying to prevent a bunch of pastors for having their churches open which it has prevented some the reason i say that is because the devil has used the weather for his gain before and it's actually been recorded in the book of Job. Remember when he sent a whirlwind to the Job's children's house and he leveled the house and killed all of his children? He did that with a tornado. And the devil is the prince and power of the air. Thus, he could have sent this storm. But I'm not going to let that stop me preaching God's word. So here, I'm going to read what the, this pastor sent. So if you would, please just listen and pay attention uh, and take what the Lord has for you out of this. So, like I said, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm not going to let the, the devil take me down. I won't let the government take me down. They can persecute me all they want, which they already have. I let churches persecute me. They have, but I'm not letting that stop me. So here it is. It says, Dear Minister of the Gospel, I write to you this Christmas season to call your attention to an urgent matter in which the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is under attack. On December 22nd, I received an email from Pastor James Coates of Grace Life Church of Edmonton in Alberta, Canada. You will remember that he was recently imprisoned for keeping his church open during COVID-19 lockdowns. 
James is a graduate of the Master Seminary and co-author with Dr. Nathan Buzanitz of an excellent new book, God and Government, to be released March 2022. James' recent email gave me insight into the Canadian government's decision to pass Bill C-4, which directly comes against parents and counselors who would seek to offer biblical counsel with respect to sexual immorality and gender. James indicates that it could be used to criminalize evangelism. To clarify the bill, James forwarded this email from Pastor Andrew DiBartolo. So here's the email. Thank you so much for your willingness not only to shine a light on the situation here in Canada, but also your participation in calling other men to preach on biblical sexuality on January 16th in unity and solidarity with ministers here in Canada. I and we are truly grateful for your ministry and service. Now, I want to note here, the snow wouldn't stop any pastors in Canada, but it would stop people here in the south. <coughs> Excuse me. So they still, they're still preaching on this, probably now or fix or getting ready to at this time. So Bill C four passed through the House and the Senate without opposition. Not a single dissenting vote was cast by any member of the Conservative Party. It received royal assent on December eighth, which means it will come into law after January eighth, twenty twenty two. This means. This law, Bill C-4, has already become law in Canada. Now, anything that Canada does that's tyrannical, our government wants to mirror it here in the United States. That's why we have to make a stand. So it is now, right now, today, it is illegal for pastors to preach against sexual immorality. It's illegal. They will go to jail if they preach God's word. That's why we're standing up now today. The bill was amend the bill will amend the criminal code in Canada to ban conversion therapy. It will criminalize, among other things, causing another person to undergo conversion therapy, promoting or advertising conversion therapy. This means that anyone that decided that the sex they were born with were born at was not what they wanted to be, and they underwent surgery to change it, but then later realized the mistake they made. It is illegal for anyone to help them or consider them reversing what they can back to the way God made them. This bill makes that illegal. In the preamble of the bill, it says that the belief that heterosexuality, cisgender identity, and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations, gender identities, and gender expressions is a myth. Well, I'll read that again. It said the belief that heterosexuality or gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to birth is a myth. That, In other words... The belief when I believe, I mean, I, I, I trust God's word when he said, I make you male and female. That's what he meant. And that's what he did. Male and female. If you're born a male, you're a male. If you're born female, you're a female. But they say that's a myth. Canada, Canadian government said that's a myth. 
According to Canadian law, as of January 8, 2022, the belief in God's design for marriage and sexuality will now be seen as a myth. The bill defines conversion therapy as a practice, treatment, or service designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth, repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior, behavior, repress a person's non-cisgender identity, or repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. The definition is intentionally broad, and it can clearly be used against any preacher or elder who either speaks against homosexuality, transgenderism, or who counsels a person to obey Christ and abandon their homosexual, transgender actions and lifestyle. This means as of January 8, 2022, it will be against the law to preach, teach, or counsel regarding God's design for marriage and sexuality. Everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that other person, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years. Similarly, everyone who knowingly promotes or advertises conversion therapy is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than two years. On January 16, 2022, faithful men across this country and many in the United States as well will be preaching on God's design for marriage and a biblical ethic of sexuality. We will be doing so illegally, declaring to the state that there is one God and one Lord over his church and that Christ alone gets to both define marriage and dictate what is required in the pulpit. We are honored that our American brothers will be joining us in this. Yours in Christ, Andrew DiBartolo, Teaching Elder, Encounter Church. Uh, so that was the email. So now it's illegal for Canadian preachers, pastors, counselors, parents to counsel or advise anyone against therapy or reversing their homosexual transgender lifestyle to back to heterosexually the way God intended it. That is now illegal. But I'm standing up, stepping up with others, pastors, to preach against it because that's what God has called me to do. And I'm not backing down. Uh, hold on just a second here. Let's see if I can... Uh, I don't know how to do this on the live. Okay. Well, I was trying to tag some people in it. Uh, all right, let's see. 
All right, well, I'm not sure I do. I don't have a setting for that. Okay, I think I found it. Let's see. Try to tag a few people to get this spread out. Let's see here. Just clicking all the people I can click. Let's see. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Sorry about that. All right, so now I hope you see the gravity of the situation here. I might be going to jail soon, so, but I don't care. I'll be like Paul and Silas. I'll be singing hymns in the cell. He says, I am eager to support our Canadian brothers and to preach on biblical sexual morality on January 16th, and I invite you as a faithful pastor to do the same. Our United Stand will put the Canadian and the U.S. governments on notice that they have attacked the Word of God. We are well aware of the evil power and the destructive influence of the homosexual and transgender ideology. Our government is bent on not only normalizing this perversion, but also legalizing it and furthermore criminalizing opposition to it. I want to say right here, in case I forget to, the government is taking the act of homosexuality, the act of transgenderism, the ideology of it, and attacking Christianity with it. This is not me I, as a pastor. I'm not preaching against or attacking individuals if they are living in this sin against them. And I am wanting to save them from it and add them to my side, which is God's side. I'm on God's side. I'm a pastor preaching the gospel, and I want to show them salvation. I want to show them freedom from it. I want to show them a way out. I want to show them the truth that they can get out of it. They don't have to stay in that way. The government has deceived people into being this way, but their point is to destroy the family. The only, there is nothing good that comes out of it. You destroy yourself physically, bodily, and you destroy families. And the government knows that. So they're taking this. That's what they're doing. And they're deceiving people into thinking this is fun, this is good. And they're pushing it on corporations. Uh, my, my company that I work for, and, I, and I, like I've said before, you've heard me say before, that as I've been called to preach, I have to work to make a living, but my workplace is my mission field. And I have preached against this there. I have stood up against it. My company promotes the LGBTQ plus P, whatever it is in the alphabet now, and they're pushing it and forcing it on their, their employees, and they're promoting it. But the reason is not that they care, they, they don't really care about these people. They don't really have compassion on these people. They're pushing an agenda of destruction, of death. 
That's what they're doing. And that you, it, my heart breaks to all the people that have fallen for it. I've been called into the HR office a few times because it's making a stand against this. I've always done it in love. I've always done it in, with compassion, with, with tact. But I'm not backing down. They haven't fired me yet. They get a little aggravated. But I'm not stopping. God has told me to preach the truth, and that's what I'm doing. As I'm preaching the truth. So I'm supporting other pastors. I'm supporting Brother Arthur Pulowski in prayer. Brother John MacArthur in prayer. Brother James Coates. I don't know them, neither of of these pastors personally, Pastor Greg Locke. And I mentioned, uh, if you listen to my podcast, I went through this, uh, a little shorter version of this on my podcast, Joshua Ministries podcast. And I went through a list, uh, mentioned pray for the, I hear a ambulance or a fire truck going down the road now. Pray for them and the call and whoever they're going to. I prayed for about 10 different pastors to give them the strength and the boldness to step up and preach today on this day and to preach God's word no matter what. Don't let nothing wavering. Some don't understand. I've been attacked by someone in my family by my stance, claiming I drank the Kool Aid. But I'm preaching God's word. I'm preaching the truth. If as being a minister and a pastor, I care for the flock. I'm a shepherd of the Lord. And as Christ was a good shepherd, I'm supposed to be uh I'm supposed to resemble that remark and be a good shepherd and care for the sheep of his pasture. If I see a wolf coming in to this flock, trying to tear down the fence, destroy the gate, and destroy the sheep in the, the pasture, what do you expect me to do? Stand there and just watch it happen? No. That's not what a shepherd does. God told us we are, the, are his shepherds of his flock. We're to step up, protect, serve, and provide to the flock. If we see a wolf whether it be a false teacher, I've stood up against false teachers. I've had to make a stand. They want to deceive God's people. They live their life in lies and lead along ignorant sheep. There's too many sheep that have the wool over their eyes. As a shepherd, when you see a wolf, you will defend the sheep from the wolf. That's an analogy or metaphor. You don't let the sheep be killed and destroyed or hurt by the wolf. If you go to, go to God's word, read the words of Jesus. He, he said the same thing. I'm copying what he said. I'm repeating what he said. I'm going to continue reading the letter that um, Brother John MacArthur sent out. Uh, 
In 2012, California passed Senate Bill 1172, banning gay conversion, alongside New York, New Jersey, and Nevada. In doing this, the California government sought to prohibit any correction of an unbiblical view of sexual identity because California has a compelling interest in protecting the well-being of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals. They don't care about the individuals. Believe me. Listen to me. I care about them. They don't. They have an agenda. Their, their goal is to destroy the family of God. On, on August 18, 2020, the Democratic Party declared at the National Convention that it would ban, harm, ban harmful conversion therapy practices. The Obama administration appointed more than 250 LGBTQ plus people to serve in the government. Do you not think there's an agenda now? The Biden administration has promised to increase that number, and they have done so thus far. As aggressive as this political priority is to make perversion safe from criticism in the United States, Canada is even further ahead. On November 29, 2021, the House of Commons passed Bill C-4 with a completely unanimous vote amending the code to include conversion therapy. Since this law takes effect on January 8, 2022, faithful Canadian pastors are going to preach on the issue calling for a biblical understanding of sexual sin, the eternal judgment that falls on the unrepentant and gospel-rejecting sinners, and the grace of God in the gospel which offers forgiveness to those who repent and believe in Christ. This is what we have to understand. We have to show the gravity of the situation. We have to tell them the truth. The truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Not one of us will be safe from eternal damnation in our own actions. Whatever we do, no matter what we say, we cannot save ourselves. We are born in sin as human beings on this planet Earth. And everyone going to listen to me is on planet Earth. We're doomed to hell. Except for God's grace. That's the thing. You have to speak the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. You can't always preach on the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and never tell them why there is the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. There has to be both sides. Without Christ, you will die and go to a devil's hell. Living in sin, whether it's lying, stealing, cheating, coveting, adultery, whatever it is, fornication, you will die and go to hell. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And I praise the Lord for that. He didn't stop at, you're going to hell for your sin. He said, I made a way of escape and offered you a free gift of salvation so that you would not have to die and go to hell because of your sin. Praise the Lord. I'm going to continue with his letter. He's got a couple paragraphs here. He quotes 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11, through 11, and that's the words of Paul. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's it. That's clear as crystal. If you are one of these, you're not going to heaven. That is clear as day. But he continues, And such were some of you. And I praise God for that. But such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. All sinners need conversion, but the list focuses specifically on the sexual immoral, adulterers, effeminate, and homosexuals who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Our calling as gospel ministers is to preach the truth, confront sin, and call all men to repentance and obedience to the gospel, the good news that achieves soul conversion and saves sinners from eternal wrath. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That is still true. That is John 14, 6. So here's a question he asks. Will you stand with me and our Canadian brothers and confront in a spirit of love and mercy the damning sins legalized in our culture? Pastors, will you join the nationwide effort to preach on a biblical view of sexual morality on January 16, 2022 and proclaim the gospel of salvation that is now criminalized? Faithful church members and lay leaders, will you join in prayer that God would work powerfully through the preaching of his word and in the lives of the lost? If we all stand strong in this conviction together, the governmental forces of evil will be put on notice that divine love and sovereign grace compel us to be faithful to proclaim radical transformation at any cost. This world system and its human governments will gladly, gladly send people to hell. But our calling is to rescue people with the truth. And then he quotes 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 to 26. It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. How are they going to repent if they don't know the truth? We just let them live in their sins, um, continue on their road to destruction, the road to hell. How are they going to know to change? How will they know to, to, to correct their projection? They're not going to know if we don't tell them. So as a faithful minister, as a faithful Christian, you're going to tell them. As a pastor, I'm going to tell them. Alright, so that's the challenge. That's what you needed to know. So here we are, a stand on biblical sexual morality. The governments of Canada, of America, and other countries are wanting to criminalize any pastors, any Christians that would make a stand against it. They will. It is now illegal in Canada to do so. This regime regime that we have under the Biden administration is doing the same thing. Okay, so you need to be aware of that. All right, so biblical sexual morality. Let's go to the beginning. Let's see what God has to say about 
the sexual morality. So first, for us to understand, we know what's going on in the world. We know what the government wants us to believe. We know what corporations are shoving down our throats. But what does God say about it? What does he say? What did he do? What did he put in place since he was here before the world began? What did he say? What did he have to do since he's the wisest of all? Since he is the creator of all? What does he have to say? Let's go back to the beginning. The book of Genesis. You know the Bible is not one book. It's a compilation of 66 books. So let's go to the first book. Genesis. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. And Genesis chapter 1 shows creation. So the, what the world is, is confused about is that their data shows a big bang. Shows just an explosion of things happening. They even have a graph where in the, the space of time matter, there's nothing. There's a black hole. And then all of a sudden, boom, time. There it is. They've graphed it. They've shown data of it. Well, the Big Bang Theory, and they can't, they've concluded, I mean, their data shows it's a Big Bang Theory. Well, what, what contributed to that? They don't know. They don't know God. Well, God contributed to that. Uh, he was there. You can't put God on a data sheet or a graph, but you can see the evidence of God. There was nothing. Then all of a sudden, there was something. He spoke everything from nothing into existence. That includes you and that includes me. That includes male, that includes female. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 26. Let's see what he says about humankind. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, have dominion over the fowl of the air, have dominion over the cattle, have dominion over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God put man in charge of the world. Nothing is superior to man on this earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So right here at the very beginning, to understand where we are today, we have to go to the beginning. This is the beginning. And this is the truth. God made male. God made female. He didn't make two males. He didn't make two females. He didn't make two males plus one female. He didn't make one male plus two females. He made one male and one female. That's it. That's, how it, that's the doctrine of marriage. One man. One woman. That's what God did. That's how he established it. He showed us, he spoke in existence what he desired, his desire. This is what he told us to do. He continues, he says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. Subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. 
He gave mankind dominion, but he established marriage. He showed that one man, one woman was in marriage. God ordained them and put them together. Let's go to chapter 2, verse 21. This here shows that God made the woman for man. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. This goes back. For Genesis 1 gives a summary of everything that happened. Genesis chapter 2 goes back and gives more detail on man and what he did. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore... Shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And he says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This here shows the intimate relationship that is between one man and one woman. The way God intended it between one man and one woman. They shall become one flesh. When we obey God and come under His obedience and we establish that we desire to be with another person, we have to do it in the, have the, this prerequisite that it's a combination of one man and one woman for life. In marriage, we're united two people become one They're your souls it's it's not just your flesh but it's your souls knit together and united together in fellowship a unity that only can be done in marriage between one man and one woman that's the way god established it there is no other way he didn't give no any other options there was no variations that's the way he did it that's the way he's established it and me I up, am going to uphold that. Me my, and my wife have decided. We took our vows under God. We followed under His obedience that we decided to become married. We decided to join in holy matrimony. Anything else is unholy. Shacking up is unholy. Homosexuality is unholy. Transgenderism is unholy. God established it. It's not my words. It's His words. Colossians 3, 5. We have to make a stand. If In order to know which direction we're going, we're going to have to know which way we're going. You know what I mean? So, we can't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. There are churches now pushing homosexuality on their congregation. They've fallen for the deception. They've fallen for the government's lies. The oh, it's, the people like it. It's good. It's it's huge, but it's it's still a minority. 
it's still a small niche of people. But the government's trying to push it on all people because it destroys families. That is why. They don't care about you. They don't care about your individualism, your diversity or equality. I get that tossed around a lot where I work. They don't care about you. I care about you. I love you. That's why I'm speaking the truth to you. So Colossians 3, 5. Too many people live their life according to the flesh. But Colossians 3, 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Anything other than what God has told us to do and to follow is idolatry. Because we're disobeying God and putting something else in His place. This verse here, as we see, it combats Gnosticism, uh, which states that the physical body is evil, and since it is evil in itself and cannot be redeemed from its evil ways, it might as well do whatever it wants. Do you see a lot of that today? They may not claim that they believe their idolatry, their idolatry or, or is in Gnosticism, but that's what it is. Well, I'm evil. I'm already perverted. My flesh itself is perversion. And so I'll let it do what it desires because that's happiness. That's a lie. Straight from the devil. So why Paul says here, he says, mortify your bodies. In other words, he's saying, bring your body under control and treat them as though they were dead. Your desires, your fleshly desires, treat them as if they're dead. Control it. They have no power over you in God, in Christ. If you're living this way, you're not in Christ. That's why we have to die to sin. The Paul says death, die. We're going to die and then we're going to pass and we're going to make our bodies a living sacrifice for Him. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians Um First Corinthians chapter six. All right, so this is a stark warning to all of us. I'm included, but I I know where I get my salvation from, and I've applied it. First Corinthians chapter six, uh, verses nine through eleven. He says, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He's a question. Don't you know that the unrighteous won't be in heaven? None of us, being unrighteous, unrepentant, will not be in heaven. If we were to die today in our sins, we would go to hell. We have to understand that. Paul says here, Do not be conceived, deceived. The government wants to deceive you. Your corporations want to deceive you. Your family might want to deceive you. But what they're doing is they're lulling you to eternal damnation. 
So he continues and he specifies a couple of sins, specific sins. And this, it's, these are sexual sins. He says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. In that first verse 9, those are sexual sins. It's idolatry, idolatry of the flesh. Lust. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. With this, living in this, you will not enter heaven. The Bible is clear on it. Not my words. It's God's word. And he continues with verse 10. Nor thieves, nor coveters, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. No one living in their trespasses of sin will enter the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Those words come straight from the mouth of God. He said to us, his people, You be holy, because I am holy. That is... A, I've heard someone say that their father... Someone told me their father was setting the standard too high for them. But think about it. God, creator said to me and said to you, be you, you be holy because I am holy. <laughs> period. That was it, a period after that. We will not fellowship and live an eternal life with him without doing this, without rejecting sins, without asking for repentance, and without trusting Christ as our Lord and Savior. Nothing, nothing will get us there. Nothing else, no other religion, no other person, except through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And he, Paul verifies this, the fact that some were in trespasses of sin, some were dying and going to hell, but instead they, they weren't on that same path anymore. They found the way out. Verse 11 says, And such were some of you. Alright, so let's go back and I want to say a little bit more in verse 9 before I, before I pass it up. He said, be not deceived. Now one thing that gets me, fires up my righteous in indignation is this word effeminate. Those that, all of it does, but you, you recognize the others, homosexuality, transgenderism, but effeminism, what is that? Effeminate is where a man made in God's image wants to act like a woman who was made for man. That's out of order. That's ungodly. And Paul says here, if you are effeminate, a man that acts like a woman, you're not going to heaven. You are made a man and you're to act like a man. You're supposed to be what? Not have the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You're supposed to be able to reason and reckon and use critical thinking and, and, and choose with wisdom and knowledge. And that's all man, men and women, of course. But a man to be acting like a woman is sinful, is wrong. And I can't stand it, especially seeing a Christian acting like that, acting feminine. That's that a feminine is a man acting like a woman. That is wrong. It makes me sick. 
But you have to understand, it's not just the way they act. It's not just a tendency because they were raised by their mom and they didn't have a father figure or anything like that. But it's a sin. It's a characteristic that God said, do not have. So you can change it and control it and remove it by the grace of God, through his mercy, trusting in him, obedience to him. Put an effort to it to obey God's word. The God does not uh, lightly deal with sexual sins. That's a, that is included in the sexual sins. A man acting like a woman because he made a man to be a man and he made a woman to be a woman. No exceptions. That's the problem with our government now that there's more women stepping up than there are men stepping up. More women are bold and making a stand than men. I don't see as many men as I hear as many women stepping up, being in positions of power, of rule, of control, influence. Where's the men? They're too cowardly, too, too scared? What's the problem here? Joshua 1.9, I want to turn to it and read it. We got it memorized. You probably have it memorized. This is God's call to you as men. Men have to stand up. Men have to be in the power, position of power. Men have to rule. There's positions for women. I'm not. It's, I'm making a statement here with the word effeminate. This is addressed to the men right now. Joshua 1:9. This was a direct command to Joshua. He was taking over the position of Moses as the leader of God's people, the children of Israel. He was to be their leader and to be in charge. He had a huge responsibility. He had over like 2 million people under his command. Let's see what God told him. First, God asks ask a question. Have not I commanded thee? Haven't I told you? This was a command. No suggestion, a command. Haven't I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. See that? As men, we have to understand our relationship with God. And the fact that he commanded us to be strong and of good courage. We don't back down. Men don't back down. Men don't stay scared and live in their fear. They step up. You acknowledge fear of what may happen. It's normal for us. But we take courage. That is taking that fear and turning it into action. Being courageous. He says, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. And he commanded Joshua as leader of his people to do that. And we see that Joshua took that to heart and obeyed because the next verse it says he turned around and commanded the officers to tell the people. He exercised it. He implemented it into his life, obedience to, the, to God. And then I want to also look at, uh, I believe it's Joshua 24, 15. 
while we're on this subject. I've made this stand. I'm not backing down. We have to choose who we will serve. We have to choose. Are we going to obey God and what he's told us to do? Are we going to laugh, mock, or ridicule, persecute the men of God that give us warnings and serve the idols, serve the government? Or are we going to obey God? So he says, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I made that promise to God, that vow. I've already decided who I will serve. No matter what comes my way, no matter what persecution, I serve God and Him only. I will obey Him Till I die. Now I'm not perfect. I haven't always obeyed him. I've faltered. I've failed. I've given into the flesh here and there. But that is the goal. Is to completely serve him and not back down. To show courage. Show bravery. Because God has commanded us to do it. We're going to continue in that way. Now, we need to share it with others and, and show compassion to others and show that they can do this and be strong. I've made a stand. I can make the stand. You can make the stand. We have, there's too many around us that need the love of God, the love of Christ. There's too many of us that need direction from someone that's strong and courageous and powerful in the Lord that's not going to back down. We need more of that. Decide this day whom you will serve. Is it going to be the, this people, this government, the Amorites in whose land you dwell? Well, who is that? That's the government. That's the regime that's in place. That's the secular things. That's the earthly things. Are we going to follow that and do what they say? Wear a mask when you're told. Stay away from your family members for Christmas and for Thanksgiving. And don't see your grandparents. Don't see your brothers and sisters for holidays because you might make them sick. Are you going to quit going to church and isolate yourself away from God's people because the government told you to? The only pandemic that we're in is a pandemic of fear. The pandemic of disobedience. The pandemic of lust. That's the problem. So I'm urging you, challenge you, challenging you today to step up. Out from among them. Jesus commanded us to be holy for he is holy. <clears throat> Paul had to deal with this with the Corinthian church. There was wickedness in the church, and he had to call them out. If you look in uh, 2 Corinthians, and you look at the book, 2 Corinthians chapters 1-9, through 9, he addressed the problem in the church softly, tenderly, and gave them time to consider and to obey and to follow, to repent of their sins. There were... 
false teachers in the church that came in immediately after Paul left and started telling lies about Paul, that he was a coward, that he was afraid, that he didn't come to see him for the second time on his missionary journeys because he was less of a man than he claimed to be, and so on. So you see he addressed those lies and about him. And he, he first, it was softly, tenderly. We saw that there was, uh, there was in the church, he recognized that there was faithful church members. There was those that were on the fence that were kind of, were undecided on following, being faithful to God and his people or following the false teachers and their lies about God's people. And then there was the accusers that accused God's people with these lies. And Paul cleared it up and showed them clearly what to do and how to take care of it. He understood that rebellion sows seeds of more rebellion. In 2 Corinthians... And we're going to turn there. I didn't write it down. Where am I? Just bear with me, please. We see his tenderness to them, to his people, the love and compassion. He showed this and exercised it first. We see, but I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who is then that makes me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I come I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of my heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. That's why I share the gospels, because I love you and I care for you. But that doesn't mean I will not use correction. I will not use um, admonitions. We're called to do both. If we have erred, made a mistake, we're held to accountability. That's part of being a Christian, part of being obedient to God's word. We see that Paul did that with these false teachers, and he, he, the faithful members had no rebuke. The ones on the fence had a gentle rebuke. But the accusers were point-blank, face-to-face, called out for their actions because of their disobedience and their deception. He called them out. So chapters 1 through 9, we see a gentleness, gentle rebuke. But chapter 10, he lays down the law against these disobedient people. God revealed to us what he thinks of disobedience and of rebellion. In Numbers chapter 16, when Israel was being stubborn, murmuring and complaining again and again and again, they decided to go their own way. There was a group of people, the family of Korah. If you remember Numbers chapter 16, verses 23 through 33, that they rebelled against Moses, God's leader, God's person, his, their 
the pastor, the shepherd of the flock. And they rebelled. God disagreed with their rebellion to his man to the point that he opened up the ground and consumed the whole family of Korah because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience. God does not tolerate disobedience and rebellion with his people. We may not see the consequences right off the bat immediately, but he does not tolerate it. You would think his people would learn from that, but if you continue, it says the very next day, the people complained to Moses and accused Moses of killing the family of Korah. Guess what God did because of that? He sent a plague of the people and killed 14,700 people because of their rebellion. God does not tolerate it, but he provides a salvation and love and mercy and grace. I thank God every day because of the mercy and grace he's extended to me. And I desire to obey him because I love him. He's my heavenly father. He saved my soul. I have an eternal place called heaven. It'll forever be my home. And when heaven is brought down, the new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, and it's all settled. And God has wiped away sin for eternity. I will dwell there. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more agony, forever with my Heavenly Father. And But He's provided that to you. And He's provided that to every person. Everyone that would ever live to set their feet on this earth, born into this world, He's offered the free gift of salvation. We'll go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, anything like that. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in, the, in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a contrast, always a contrast. Do this, you go to hell, but do this, you go to heaven. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. We can have as much of this as we want. Provide as much love. Provide as much joy. Provide as much peace. Long-suffering gentleness. Work on that. Exercise that. This fruits of the Spirit. God. The Holy Spirit. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we love Christ, if we profess Christ as our Lord and Savior, we put away homosexuality, we put away transgenderism, we put away the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's not to say the devil won't try to throw up temptations in front of us, but God has given us the power and strength in him to overcome. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and he lives and dwells in us, 
Jesus Christ dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, we have to exercise it in life with our testimony. And it will show out of a good report. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another or envying one another. Let us learn the position God has put us in, the place God has put us, and share the gospel. Let us be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, but let us keep, keep on. Let's keep pressing on. God has given us the strength. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. The government wants to tear us down and tear God's family apart. Again, he's not attacking you and he's not attacking me personally, but he's attacking, the government is attacking what God said, what God has put in place. The government wants God's control over us. The government wants to control us. They don't want God to control. They don't want God to be in power. They want to wipe him out. Uh, he wants to destroy his people. There is so too many things to be able to mention in this message of how the devil is attacking us. I mentioned some. This was specifically on the sexual attack on God's people. So I would like to encourage you to make a stand on this. I may be put in jail for preaching God's word. Uh, Brother Arthur Malowski has already... Pulowski has already been put in jail for this. Others have been put in jail for this. But I'm not backing down. I may be tortured for it. I don't care. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I've made a stand. I've made a decision. Will you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, Lord... I thank you for today. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. I thank you for everyone involved, everyone that will hear my words. I pray we're in a warfare. Soldiers don't sit on the couch and do nothing. I pray that we would step up, step up to the plate, understand the gravity of the situation, understand that the, what government does affects us where we're at. That God has called us to step up and stand out as his people, to be courageous and to be bold. I pray that each one listening and hearing this would surrender to you completely and understand that this, these are tricks and snares of the devil. Paul says, be not deceived. God says, be ye holy for I am holy. Don't give in to sexual sins. The greatest thing about it is, is that if anyone has fallen to these sins... God has provided a way out. We, we acknowledge that we've sinned, that we've disobeyed our loving Father. That Christ died on the cross for us. That He died for our sins. He shed His innocent blood. That He was buried three days. That He rose again. He was born of a virgin. In fact, that actually happened. And His desire was to be God in the flesh so He could provide salvation for us. I don't understand the whole reason and intent to all that he did, but I believe the words that he gave me and trust him and believe that he did it for us. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done, what you've given us. I please let them that have a he ears, let them hear. 
so that they can overcome and have the victory over sin, over death, and over the devil. I pray that more people would make a stand instead of being lackadaisical, apathetic, silent. I pray they would speak up, give them that boldness, that power. Thank you for what you've done, what you've given me. I give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Hope you're safe and careful there out in the blizzard. Uh, there's high winds still. As I look out there, it's still snowing. We got a little bit of sleep. Um, but I hope you have a blessed day. Any questions, comments, please leave them below or message me personally. And have a blessed day.